Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Your child is happily content observing the world around them. They may not babble as an infant or their vocabulary seems behind compared to their peers. When is it not normal? What are the milestones for speech development in your kids? Are there differences between boys and girls? I'm Holly Gangwer, speech-language pathologist from Kids Therapy Associates, and this is Parent Savers Episode 30. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me! It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I am your host, Casey Wilt. Parent Savers is all about helping new parents from the baby years to the toddler years. So download the free app, sign up for the free newsletter, like us on Facebook, send us an email, or call our hotline. This is your show. We want you to be involved. We have amazing experts at our fingertips, so shoot us a line and we'll get your questions answered. We also have a new option of joining our Parent Savers Club, and it's where you can download the archived episodes and get exclusive content and so much more. So I am a new parent myself. My son Carson is almost 23 months old. Um, he's almost the twos. I don't, I've said it in a couple episodes before. Is I don't know when I'm going to start saying months to twos. Was it an easy transition, Sunny? Um, yeah, actually. I don't even think I made it to two years. You I think I, I – Almost yeah. two. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I guess he's a year and a half, almost two. Um, and I'm joined by uh, two new parents in the studio. Hi, everyone. My name is Sunny Galt, and I am the host and producer of our sister show, Preggy Pals, which is all about pregnancy. I'm 34 years old. I have two children. Both are boys. One is about six months old, and another one is two years old, and I really need this episode because he is a bit behind in the speech area, and I have lots of questions for you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jen Long. Um, I'm 32. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have one little girl. She's nine months old. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to this because she is quite the babbler. And I'd like to see what's coming next. <laughs> Our kids should get together and maybe rub off on each other. <laughs> that would be good. Not literally. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we begin today's show, here's John O'Reill to tell us about some great apps for new parents. Hey, Parent Savers. I'm John O'Reill, founder of FamilyFriendlyVideoGames.com, and I'm here to talk about helpful apps for new parents. Today I want to talk to you about a great app called Bug Games from Busy Bee Studios. 
this was designed with toddlers in mind. And it's a great app because once toddlers are playing, there's no links for them to click or places for them to exit the app or solicitations to buy anything else. So in bug games, there's four different mini games that are themed on bugs or insects or flowers that focus on the areas of music, phonics, puzzles, and counting. Uh, our family's favorite is the music one where the little bugs line up and they'll sing a song like London Bridge or Hot Cross Buns and they can either sing the whole song or kids can tap them one at a time and they'll sing like Hot Cross Buns, Hot Cross Buns. And if you don't know those songs by heart, you definitely will after your kids play Bug Games a little bit. It's a great app for toddlers. Bug Games is 99 cents. You can check it out and find a link to download it um, on this week's episode page on parentsavers.com. And make sure to listen to more episodes of Parent Savers for more great app recommendations for new parents. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Parent Savers, we have Holly Gangwer, a speech-language pathologist with Kids Therapy Associates, and she's helping us learn about the normal development of speech with our babies and when we need to be concerned. So, Holly, what is the difference between speech and language development? Okay, that's a really common question that a lot of parents have, but basically speech is just the um, motor aspect of, of the verbal. It's kind of like the verbal means of communicating. When we think about speech, we think of the articulation, and then we also look at the, the voice quality um, as well as fluency. When we think about language development, that encompasses, you know, what words mean. Are they understanding um, the vocabulary? Are they able to um, put words together? And then um, are they able to use the language in social, like, situations, which we often refer to as pragmatics? Hmm. So it's kind of like they may understand, they may be able to repeat what you say, but do they understand it? Exactly, exactly. And that would be the language development aspect. Um, A lot of kids, especially from like birth to six months, you're going to have some language development kind of milestones, but more so the the speech speech aspect of it. That's when they're going to really kind of explore their babbling and, and kind of figuring out how their mouth moves and what sounds come out. I have some questions when it comes to milestones because, as I mentioned in the intro, I have a two-year-old who um, isn't quite just two. I guess he's two in a few months. I haven't actually done the math. (laughs) It's still (laughs) a little early in the morning for me to do that. Um, But um, I I started realizing at about 18 months when I took him in to see the pediatrician, you know, at least, you know, for my pediatrician, there's a form that they give you and they ask you all these different types of questions. And one of which was, how many words can your baby say Mm -hmm. and I'm going through and I'm counting I'm going I can't even get to five and they're telling me I have to have 15 or 20 or whatever it was Um, and so in talking to the pediatrician um, they recommended that my son go see um, someone that was related to speech I'm not sure if it was a pathologist or or what the terminology was but um, I did go in I brought my son they examined him it was a very comfortable kind of environment Um, and they really just you know they wanted him to 
play with toys and they were interacting with him that way. It wasn't like, I don't, I don't know, I guess I had these images of, you know, them. Fla- flashcards. And- yeah, or just it would be more mm-hmm. strict or something. But they basically said he really, you know, according to their observation, there wasn't any major problems. You know, it was just, you know, he is a boy. You know, I'm thinking, you know, okay, is it because he's a boy? He's a little, you know, later to learn. Um, okay, but fast forward, that was about at 18 months now. Um, let's just say, you know, he he's two years old in a few months. Okay, so whatever, 27, 28 months. I guess he's learning more and we're seeing improvement day after day, but he's still way behind. Um, I did not get him on any kind of therapy or anything like that. I was pregnant at the time. You know, I just kind of thought it would just work itself out. Mm-hmm. And I'm still kind of feeling that. But I guess, you know, it, it, at what point should we be concerned um, with what our child is, is learning. Can we talk more about those milestones? And- Absolutely. You know, if you can, if we can kind of start back to like even at um, between like birth to three months, yeah. uh, we actually, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, precursors to language development that occur. You know, when you're breastfeeding your, your infant, are they able to kind of look at you a little bit? Are they, you know, noticing your voice turning a, uh, towards the sound? Um, are they cooing? And, and these these sounds aren't obviously made purposefully, but yet they're vocalizing. Um, but closer to like three to four months, that definitely should be more apparent in terms of their um, kind of expressive abilities. And, and at that point, that's when we get a great reciprocal smile sometimes when you're feeding them or when you're bonding with them. Um, are they able to kind of, uh, you know, pay attention to music or even, um, you know, notice that some of the toys rattles make noise if they move it. So at four to six months, we would really like to um, have these little infants start babbling. And that's when you're going to start hearing that B, the P's, the the D sounds come out in a repetitive babble. Um, And then closer to between like seven to 12 months, you're going to hear them kind of explode, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> so that's great because we want the, we want these um, infants to, to really start exploring with sounds. And you should be hearing the, the different consonant sounds being kind of pushed together with different vowel combinations as well. And we call that variegated babbling where it sounds like, ah, bet that, 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 like that. So oh, yeah, it, down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> so if your child isn't cooing at four months old, is that too early to like talk to somebody or I, it just be, wait? No, it would be a concern. I would address it with the pediatrician. Um, and also the other concern would be if you're not hearing different kind of tones in the, your child's cries um, or infant's cries at that point, I would also address that as well. Different to tones, pe- so... Um, give me an example of that. So like you hear one tone, but you don't hear another? Well, a lot of times when infants cry, they're going to um, have different kind of cries. And, and the parent can generally tell if it's like a hunger cry or if it's like change my pants cry or just like, uh, I just don't feel good. I just want to be either put down or picked up or whatnot. So you should kind of hear and, and those different tones in the cries. Um, and if if it's very difficult for you or the baby's not even really crying all that much, that's a concern. I would definitely uh, address that with the pediatrician. It could be like a hearing concern or um, something else, something greater. So I never thought about the cries being a precursor to yeah. speech and language development. 
definitely it is. Hmm. It is like, um, you know, even when they're um, doing the cries as well as doing the coos, you know, are they cooing and kind of gurgling and, and they find that it's, it's um, you know, re- not rewarding so much, but like, are they getting a response from the, the parent, you know, that's holding them when they're doing that? How much of that is a um, a speech issue as opposed to a hearing issue? Because couldn't they have a hearing problem and just not be able to distinguish? Absolutely, absolutely, and that would be the first sign. That's why um, that's why it's important then to consult your pediatrician. Okay. Um, a lot of times they have the newborn um, hearing screenings at about two weeks, I think, or right after yeah, birth. Remember that now, mm-hmm. right? But if you're finding that at three months you're not seeing much of the cooing or the baby's just really, really quiet and the cries aren't um, aren't differentiated, then definitely go back to the pediatrician and, and perhaps check into the hearing aspect of it. Yeah, I have a girlfriend. Her, her child passed all the tests when she was little. No big deal. And then probably around two, they realized all this stuff. And she was deaf. She mm-hmm. had, and so she, it may, she may have heard it when she was little, but something happened that... Right, right. Um, I want to touch back on the milestone. So after 12 months, um, my child's almost two. Um, What does that look like from 12 to 15 months or 15 to 24 months of like putting sentences together? We were hanging out with his little buddy the other day and his little buddy can speak in full, um, thoughtful, thoughtful questions, (laughs) um, answers. And yet, um, you know, my son's still saying one word here, putting two or three words. How does that look? So within like the 12 to 24 month period, I mean, that's kind of what we call a big explosion, vocabulary explosion um, time frame because of the fact that that especially between like 15 to 18 months, that's when usually it connects with a lot of um, toddlers that everything has a label and, you know, what you're saying has more meaning to it. Um, so at about 18 months, I think you mm-hmm. had said, Sunny, that um, the question was brought up of, is your child saying about 20 words at 18 months? That's kind of a general guideline. Um, but if your child is communicating or understanding language and maybe not using speech as a right. way of, of, of expressing themselves, but yet maybe you know doing a lot of gesturing or if you're into using sign language at an early you know age with your child with your infant mm-hmm. then maybe doing a lot of signing um so yes at definitely at 24 months though we want to um see children combining words yeah. two to three words yeah and with my son he would listen and he would do what you told him to do mm-hmm. but he just wasn't verbalizing really anything and it, and, it, and at about two years I mean it really wasn't even point and grunt it was more he's just a very independent kid and so he would just kind of do his own thing you know and if you told him to do something you knew he understood it just verbally wasn't happening for him mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so I mean definitely I think a lot of parents wait until the kids are two to address these concerns with, with the pediatrician. Um, but if you are noticing that there is something a little bit um, off as a parent, like, wow, he's just not responding to me when I'm calling his name or just giving him very simple instructions like everyday routine act you know, instructions, if you're finding that he's not responding, that's a really good time because definitely at about 15 um, and 18, 20 months of that range right there, they should be able to follow some simple commands. 
mm-hmm. and identify simple objects. So can we talk about social language? What is it? I've heard the term, but I don't really understand it. Social language is, is what we also um, refer to as pragmatics, and that is um, the child's ability to use language in appropriate social situations. Um, this becomes more of an issue for those uh, children that are between the age of like two and three, definitely, um, that have some language, expressive language. Are they able to, you know, use language in a variety of of you know, communicative functions. Are they using it to greet someone? Are they using it to request? Are they using language to label or to to kind of show mom, hey, look, there's an airplane up there or a bird? Um, So a variety of situations. If a child is only limited in their um, use of the language, then that is a concern. How does does that look like? So um, if they're they're not using it, if they say bye instead of hi, or how does it look? What it looks like is, for example, maybe a lot of kids, some of the kids in this situation that have um, this kind of deficit in the area of social language, they might not even want to say hi or bye. It's kind of like a struggle for them to to say bye, um, but yet they can say, you know, cookie because that's something that they want. So are they able to even respond in um, an appropriate way? For Is exa- that just poor manners? No, 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 no. It's not, it's not poor manners. Usually when kids at this age between two and three are struggling with using language for a variety of communicative functions or acts, there's something else probably going on that needs to be looked at. And then detail. would you talk to a speech pathologist for absolutely. about it? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other aspects of, of the social language is those kiddos that maybe um, are very talkative, but yet they're not quite talking about the same topic that you're talking about, hmm. or <laughs> you might, you know, or, or can't carry on at least three turns with the adult or with another peer about one, one topic. And what um, age is that about? Because, you know... So this is my like, kid's a little young, and he might be talking about helicopters while I'm still talking about dinner. You know? Yeah. No. 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 This is something like about two and a half to three years of age, that that we want to be able to see the kids, um, toddlers at this point, carry on a two to three turn conversation about one one obviously a motivating topic for them. You know, this is interesting. I have a friend um, who has a three year old son, and he has his own language you have a conversation with him and he doesn't respond in English. I'm worried that's what my kid is starting to do because hopefully he wants to communicate. Hopefully it's Italian or Spanish. No, I I, I really doubt (laughs) it. I I think it's Sayers language. This this is like, this is like his own language. And you ask him if you want, do you want oatmeal? And he will babble at you. And he's three years old. And I, I have a, yeah, I have a nine month old, so I don't, I don't know what that milestone would look like, but to me, that seemed a little concerning that he wasn't, he's not communicating in English yeah, at I all. Mean, I mean, even a, tw- <laughs> even a 12-month-old, if you would hold up two choices, you know, for them, they're going to grab or they're going to point mm-hmm. and then maybe add a babble to it, you know, but, and definitely I would say at two, they should be able to verbally tell you which one they want. And at three, that would be a little concerning. I mean, he does tell you what he wants. You just... 
have to go with what he's pointing at or grabbing for because the words do not make any sense whatsoever. No, is that something to be um, concerned about that you have to talk to somebody or you just go, well, that's their own language and they'll grow out of it? No, no, no. no. That's something that I would definitely um, seek a speech language pathologist for an evaluation for. Interesting. Um, Because at three, they should have a lot of um, speech sounds in the repertoire or even try to hit the vowel sound correctly of the adult form of the word. When I find that my son wants to say it, so like pumpkin, you know, it's Halloween time or whatever, and um, he sees pumpkins and he goes, and it may not sound like anything. Or the best one is banana. For the longest time, it's out, his word for banana was, and I, <laughs> and I thought, well, that sounds about right, because that's what it probably sounds like to him. So you'd be like, do you want a banana? I go, and I mean, there was no B sound. There was no N sound. It was nothing but, but every morning banana was and he was trying to work the tongue trying Uh to work the mouth and now he's two and he does say you know and now he gets it but um he tries to repeat what i say so i guess you're right because i i never even thought about it as the child grows older they do try to mimic they try to mimic everything they try mimicking talking on the phone they mimic everything and so uh, they should be mimicking language as well And, and and especially some of the the earlier speech developing sounds you know, like the B and the N sound. Um, but at, even at three, though, they should be able to try to produce the K sound for a cookie. You know, it might not be completely the whole word, but at least the, maybe the initial syllable. And as parents, what can we do um, short of seeing a speech pathologist? I know there's things that we can do in our day-to-day lives. And even before we realize that there are problems, um, to help foster that. I I was told once that, you know, act as though everything you're doing is a story and you are just verbalizing. Okay, now I'm going to the dishwasher and, oh, I'm getting a cup. And now I'm putting it on your tray. And Sunny's talking to herself all the time at home. (laughs) Exactly, right? But is that something parents should be doing? Yes. Uh, because children are only going to say what they hear. Hmm. So if it's a very cl- like quiet home environment, and maybe they're only the only auditory language stimulation they're getting is from a TV, it's not going to hmm. help foster that language at all in the child. Now, why is that? Why why wouldn't a TV work as opposed to me just talking to my child? Well, basically, it's, it's you're just becoming a passive learner when you're watching TV or um, you know some of these like children's DVD programs as well, um, are only as useful as the parent kind of interacting with the child as they're watching it. So human interaction is the main um, kind of like, it's the, it's basically research, research has shown that this is the, the only true way of fostering language developing mm. development in children. Well, it's funny. You said that I used to, um, we wanted to raise our child in a multi-language um, um, area Cultural. and yeah and it hasn't happened yet um, <laughs> <laughs> and so we live in a place where English is the main language but I actually um, somehow in my subconscious I was like well if I don't speak to him at all then therefore he can learn <laughs> Spanish um, at one point because I wanted him to be around Spanish speaking people but we weren't so I was like well if he's and subconsciously I totally was like I'm not talking to you because you're learning you're not learning English you're going to learn English and Spanish <laughs> therefore together. he's now mute and <laughs> 
know. <laughs> but he, he can't say banana. Hardly. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he can't say banana. Well, that's why I was joking about speaking another language. But I was thinking, okay, well, if he grows up in a house with, you know, Spanish alongside English, he'll learn both. But I just didn't have the Spanish component in the relationship. So I'm still working on that one. But um, thanks so much. When we come back, we'll talk about language development differences between boys and girls. We'll talk about bilingualism and ways to help your child. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today on Parent Savers, we have Holly Gangwer, speech-language pathologist with Kids Therapy Associates, and she's helping us learn about speech development in our kids. So we just touched back about, I want my child to speak Spanish, yet no one speaks to him Spanishly. Um, but for those families that do have uh, bilingual parents or um, you know, they may speak English, they may have a nanny that speaks Spanish, how does that affect the child's speech? It really doesn't. I mean, um, it's a it's a big kind of hot topic um, because of the fact that you know I, I think just in general for Americans it's difficult for us to think that being in a simultaneous like dual language learning environment um, isn't isn't going to help your child. But yet, if you look across the world, there's so many countries that have two languages and a lot of um, a lot of those kids are immersed quickly in, um, you know, bilingualism at a young age. So uh, research has shown that there is not a huge, like, difference in language learning if a child is in a bilingual home versus a monolingual home. Um, in fact, you know, in this day and age, it's probably even better for them to be in a bilingual home. Um, but uh, there's there's really not... Um, a hindrance at all. Uh, I know that a lot of times parents, when they come to a speech language pathologist um, or come for an evaluation or go talk to their pediatrician, they often say, well, is it because, you know, my wife is speaking Spanish and I'm speaking English? Is that confusing my child? Um, and, and honestly, if a child does not have a language delay or true language disorder or delay, it's not going to affect their language hmm. development at all. Well, I, f I find that the people I know, um, they end up talking later. Like, they end up maybe thinking more. Is that just the people I know? Like, I, I, I do have a friend. He's uh, my age, and he's um, Korean. And so his parents spoke both languages. And about three, he wasn't saying much. So the doctor said, you need to pick one. And so they picked English, and he doesn't speak um, Korean whatsoever. And, you know, you go, oh, so sad, because you could know both languages and everything. But, um, and I have and my friend's little boy, same situation. He didn't speak. He speaks now as he's older, but it, it was almost, it was almost like as you watch them, they process it um, a little bit more than other kids with one language. Is that true in your experience, or is those just the two kids I know? It's still within developmental norms, though. You know, when we're when we're looking at children um, that 
are in a bilingual home. If it's a true bilingual home, there's two languages going on at the same time. If it's a monolingual home and then they're living and then they start going to daycare or going to a preschool with a different language, you know, there's it, it, it becomes a bilingual environment. But in the home, it's still one language. Um, so those are kind of like two different scenarios because okay. then what happens in that situation is oftentimes kids, especially at preschool age, will kind of cling on to the language that is in their social environment. So it would be most of the time, you know, English language because they're speaking English with their friends or, you know, um, the teacher speaking English and that's kind of where they're doing more of the structured learning. But in a, like, dual language learning environment, there really shouldn't, like, again, uh, we, we really shouldn't see a huge discrepancy in both in both of their languages. If both of their languages are delayed, then that probably tells us that there's some kind of language disorder or language problem going on. I'm just curious, kind of to tag on to that, can they have too much, can they like basically go on overload? Like if a family was speaking five languages, would a kid be able to pick up all of that as yeah. well? No, really? No. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> so we can, we can overload yeah. them on the, language. The so, research yeah. is more out there for bilingualism versus, like, okay. you know, trilingual. And, and believe me, there are families that do come to us, and they do. They speak maybe a dialect right. of one right. language and then speak, the, the you know, and they speak, like, three or four different languages. And, um, yes, does it take a little bit more brain power to process all those different languages? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you brought up two boys that you know who yeah. had problems. My girlfriend has a little girl who is bilingual. She's, I want to say, four. And she may not know horse, but she knows caballo. She doesn't know um, She doesn't know open a door in Spanish, but she can say it in English. So she's, she's she bilingual. Mix, she mixes them. So is there a difference in how boys and girls um, develop their language? Well, okay, so... Touching upon the bilingualism aspect of that, that as a sp- first of all, if you are concerned and you're in a bilingual environment or you're raising your child in a bilingual home, it's important to try to find a bilingual speech language pathologist um, to do the full assessment to find out. Um, but in in the example that you gave, I mean, as as a speech pathologist, we would definitely combine those because t- she has she knows those words. She does. So it's like when you're thinking about how many words they understand and how many words they're expressing, all of it would be combined together. Okay, that's interesting. So, okay. Okay, so like we don't just say, oh, you know, just look at the English, mm. you know, vocabulary. We're going to look at their whole vocabulary. Even if a child is signing, we're also going to look at how many signs they have because that's that's also a language. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yes. <laughs> I yeah. like it. Look, you're bilingual now. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know more. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If a child if a child at 18 months or 12 months is signing more, to me, that means that child understands that word and that's the language aspect of development. Um, so, but going back on the question about boys versus girls, there's a lot of research, yes, and statistically, <laughs> it's about two to one, three to one that boys um, are identified with language disorder or delay um, more so than girls. Let's talk about pacifiers because um, this is something that has affected my two-year-old very much. Um, From day two, the only way I could get him to quit crying was to give him a binky. And he has pretty much kept this binky in his mouth for two years. (laughs) Um, I can't even tell you how much money I've spent on lost binkies. Once he hit two years old and we started, you know, seeing some speech issues... 
it's kind of like a little light bulb went off and we're like, okay, we need to be talking to him more. And he needs to have the opportunity to talk back to us in a good way. <laughs> we never want your kids to talk back. Um, but to, you know, really understand us and to communicate with us, right? Um, and so we started limiting the binky usage. And I think we are seeing, you know, some improvement with that. Now he only has it if he's sick or if he's sleeping. And that's it. What information is out there regarding the use of pacifiers and how that impacts um, speech development? Well, you know, there's a lot of research out there that suggests that pacifier use and also, I mean, obviously, bottle use um, over the age of like 12 months um, can affect, obviously, your dentition. Um, And also, there's some research out there that it could possibly increase the risk of ear infections. So with that being said, with those two, you know, anatomical issues of either having chronic ear infections or having um, any type of dentition problems, it's going to affect the speech development. Um, As far as straight research in terms of pacifier use and speech articulation, um, the verdict is still out. There's, it's still very unclear. There's research support, supporting kind of like both sides a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. But personally, if you, th- my suggestion is, is that pacifiers, just like bottles, should end at about 12 months, period. <laughs> um, and I know it's hard, especially if you go past that 12-month period, then it becomes a huge struggle. Well, when they start asking for it and yes. having or look hissy for fits. It or yes. hide them yes. and yes. they know exactly where it is, but you don't. Yeah. We should have an episode on that, how to get rid of the pacifier. <laughs> I have some good ideas, actually. <laughs> but you hit upon something that's very important, and that is opportunities to speak. So mm-hmm. if the child is running around with a pacifier, especially at age you know, 18 months to 24 months, Um, in the mouth, it's going to create an open mouth posture for one. Um, So this kind of open mouth posture is something that they feel is is normal because the pacifier is always in there. The tongue's going to be kind of flat in the mouth at all times, not really having ability to move around. So their oral motor skills might be slightly delayed from that chronic pacifier usage, you know, which then affects the speech aspect. So not necessarily is it affecting the language where he, because you said that he understands a lot of what you're saying. He's just not able to, to articulate or to speak yet. Right. Right. Um, like his same age peers. Right. So yeah, pacifier use is, is, um, it's a hot topic. I bet, <laughs> I bet, I bet it is. No one wants to get rid of it, but at the same time, they do. So, what can we do at a younger age to help um, help our kids speak better as they get older? Well, you know, like I said, the, the kids are only going to say what they hear. So, um, and, and when I say that, I mean that from like a familiar person and a live human, because of the fact that um, they're not then in a passive learning mode it's it's more of an interactive type of um, s- situation so kids can learn obviously words quickly from flashcards but they're only associating that word with that picture so when so in order for that child to truly understand and know that word um, they need to use it in different social situations as well as like repetition of that social situation um, repeating 
kind of like the content word or the actual objects of names at an early age is important. Reading is very important at an early age. If you have opportunities to do um, play groups with other um, other kids, it's important because that peer development and kind of like that that peer modeling um, is important for kids, especially um, learning language. Some sometimes you they pick up words that you don't want them to learn, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, the other thing is is that uh, doing a lot of, at a younger age, a lot of sound play with them. So, you know, you were saying that you have a nine-month-old that just kind of babbles up a storm. Oh, yeah. So you can babble with her and then change some of that babbling and see if the, she'll imitate it back. We found that when we say no, she looks at us and grunts, but you can tell that it's different than her normal grunt. <laughs> right, right. So she's starting to try to imitate, and that's yeah. pretty good at nine months. Because Jen grunts at her, too. She's like, no. <laughs> well, okay, so <laughs> no, along along those lines, though, I have heard that doing baby talk back to your child is not good when it comes to speech development. Is that true? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. You want to, and if you know what your child's trying to say, um, you want to repeat it back in the adult hmm, form. Right. Right. I and know. I ra- you find people say, oh, well, she calls her blank and meh, 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 you know, whatever. And so they call the blanket yeah. meh, 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 because, um, <laughs> but I was like, but I always thought, no, call it blanket. They're, they will eventually Absolutely. say it. It's not, the, it's not their nickname for the blanket. They just can't say the proper name. It's like we don't call um, pacifier, a pacifier a passy or a binky most mm-hmm. times when she wants, she'll be grabbing for it and I'll look at her and I'll say, do you want your pacifier? Because I try not to yeah. use the like shortened version, like binky. But yeah. even if you, you use the shortened version for it, and then she at copied the short, it's at least it's a word. At least, at least it's a word. But I mean, we're <laughs> right. But, I mean, that's just an example. Yeah. We do do it with other things too. Thanks to Holly from Kids Therapy Associates for helping us learn about speech development. If you want more information, go to today's show on our episodes page on our website, or visit kidstherapyassociates.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We have a comment from one of our listeners. Her name is Sabrina, and she's calling from Houston, Texas. And she writes, My husband and I really appreciate your episode on playdates. We have two children and have yet to join any playgroups, simply because we didn't know what to expect, and we weren't sure how to find playgroups in our area. Thanks for giving us the tools we needed to get started. Well, thank you so much, Sabrina, for writing in. That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question for our expert about today's show or the topics we discussed, call the Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com or Facebook page, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Coming up next week, we're talking about skipping the purees and going straight to food. We have the author of Baby Led Weaning here to talk to us. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. 
While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.